You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. How did we get to this place in our country and during this electoral season where we are so divided? And besides the question, I think I have an answer. My answer is education. I think that our educational system has caused this rift in our country, and I think purposefully so. I think that this has been something that's been happening to our country over the last three generations when it was decided somewhere, somehow, by someone to start teaching our students less Americanism, less patriotism, less civics, less history, and go towards a much more left-wing agenda in schools. And what we have raised now is kids that have graduated that have now grown up that don't love America, that don't see the value in America, that think that America is racist, white supremacist, uh, greedy, selfish, and so many other adjectives that we could talk about. And how did that happen? By, like I said, taking the subjects out of school that teach them the true history, teach them civics, you know, what, what their rights are, what their rights are not, what our constitution means. Talk about the American history, about why we did things like the civil war, which obviously they don't know because they're tearing down statues. I'm with you, girl. I, I am uh, experiencing it on so many different levels between my college age daughter uh, and my high school age daughter. And, but even though my children went to a Christian um, school, private school from, from kindergarten all the way through graduation, the same school, uh, we still are faced with, with this indoctrination of the leftist ideology. And it, it, it boggles my mind. I, I sent my daughter off, hopefully completely equipped as a strong, lovely uh, Christian woman into the um, arms of the university, right? <laughs> and she comes mm-hmm. back and we start having these conversations over the dinner table and thank God we're having them because um, it, it I can't believe what's coming out of her mouth. And thank goodness we're a close family and, and we can, and we're very passionate and we can actually have uh, very passionate discussions and still obviously adore each other and really listen to each other. I think that's a gift uh, and learn, but I think that it is, it's under this veil of unity, trying to unify everybody. And really it's about conforming, getting these 
people, these students to conform to their way of thinking. And they do it by obviously through education and then through peer pressure and through uh, shaming and through isolation. And my poor daughter came home in tears because her roommate, who she's been best friends with for her whole life, said, you don't love me if you don't vote for the person I want you to vote for. And that's devastating. That's just, yeah. hello, what happened to free thinking? Well, that's I, something that I think that, that they're not talking about and they're not encouraging in schools. Mm-mm, they're not. Um, I was just reading about um, this teacher. She was a former teacher um, you know, in the public school system. And, you know, she wrote this article, um, saying, and she says, your children are being indoctrinated. The education system, uh, designed to teach them how to think critically has been weaponized by the radical left to push an anti-American agenda. Um, you know, our kids are being brainwashed, uh, at all, all levels of education. Um, and I, I don't know how, how did this happen without us realizing it? What, what did, where did we go wrong? You know, that's a really good question, Judy. And it seems like the answer is subtlety. Mm-hmm. I think it's been happening for a very long time mm-hmm. and it's been very subtle without us mm-hmm. even noticing what has been happening. Those conversations that you're having with your daughter, I recall not that long ago, let's say about five years ago or so, I had a Mm -hmm. dinner with my nephew and Mm -hmm. everyone at the table was having a conversation about the American dream and marrying that into what was happening in society at the time. And it, it turned into my nephew becoming rather irate at the table and very upset Mm -hmm. stating you know, you all like an age right. group, 50 something on up, right. the 50 something on up age group that was at the table, you and your white picket fences, I remember him saying, and life isn't like that anymore. And you're not, you know, you're burying your head in the sand and you don't know what it's like. And, mm-hmm. and it clearly, it clearly was a transfer. This was a result of a transformation of someone who had spent two years at a large state-run institution and the and having their head filled with all sorts of things that they've never heard before and when you're that age you are Mm -hmm. so impressionable with things you've never heard never seen never all of that before and coming into your own ideas shaping your own ideas away from your parents ideas and I think Mm -hmm. it's a it's an actual it's prime. It's almost like the perfect grapes on the vine. It's prime time for that age group to hear those things and for the instructors to just fill their heads. Mm-hmm. Almost not, not saying that the kids are going in empty headed, but right. when they're going to hear something new, it's their thought is, oh, I need mm-hmm. to become an independent thinker. And right. that, that leftist indoctrination Mm-hmm. has typically been there at universities because I want to say that it's been introduced as a more progressive way to think. 
Right. Well, right. an interesting statistic as to what you're saying there, Becky, is that in things like in, in this isn't in, in higher learning, in things like economics, there's about 27% conservative instructors. But when you get to political science, you drop down to 2% that are conservative instructors. Philosophy, 4%. History, 7%. Literature, 3%. Sociology, 8%. So you see that the vast majority of professors in, in this country are liberal. So that is just primarily and overwhelmingly what our kids are being exposed to. I have a lot of friends who have sent their kids to college and they are very, very conservative families, always have been. And the kids go to college and they don't even recognize them after a semester or two. They come home saying all kinds of different things than the way that they've been brought up. So you're right. It's a very powerful atmosphere to be in college and to hear all these things that you, you then think that these people who are supposed to be, you know, they're teachers, right? They're your role models. They're your mentors. Mm -hmm. You think that they must know what they're talking about and that you've been led astray. And, and that so many people adopt those principles. And I think in many ways, it's easier to adopt those principles that say, well, everybody's doing you wrong and we should be doing this and you should be getting free education. Okay. You should be getting, you know, right. free this and free that. I mean, that sounds great when you're that age. So I, I sure. mean, see how it happens, but I think that we have to back way up and start in first grade or even earlier and start with what we're teaching the kids then. And my whole philosophy has always been that school should be reading, writing, arithmetic, basics, things like that. All of a sudden, I feel as though our schools are usurping our roles as parents and trying to teach sure. them things like sex education, right. LGBTQ education, uh, all these things that I as a parent have the right to teach my child and I don't feel that schools do, yet they are doing it anyway. And you just continue up that ladder grade by grade where they start dropping out things like phonics. They start dropping out things like, um, you know, how we used to have shop class and yes. woodworking and home ec and things like that. We don't even have those things anymore. Instead, they're teaching, you know, the history of the Muslim religion or, you know, something like that. And, right. and I want us to go back to basics and keep their politics out of school, keep their religious beliefs out of school and just teach our kids what they need to know, like reading, writing, arithmetic. As an employer, I could tell you that they don't know those things. They don't know those things. I think what's happening with the removal of the basics and it sounds maybe extreme, but with what Judy, tying in with what Judy said earlier, it's almost like they're being brainwashed to thinking a certain way because it seems like society wants to turn thoughts away from conservative Christian thinking. 
And the best way to do that is to introduce things that take you away from those basics. As I've often even heard, not even verbal conversation, but written conversation in articles, how if a person like, oh, just for general sake, to say they appreciate the way uh, the, the script writing, you know, how they've taken away script writing in school. Yes. Something, something as basic right. as script writing, which was considered a, an art form now, but taking away the basics, they're tying in basics with almost white supremacy as thinking those things that conservative Christians appreciate such as such as morals and we can Mm -hmm. talk for a long time about that such as morals such as things that are important to perhaps just a certain race or age group and they're saying do away with all of that let's make everything inclusive all inclusive not just stick to things that appear to be uh, racist or dominant in the wrong way and it and if you muddle up those waters then it just it breeds confusion and it takes everything away from the focus on what I have felt is important I still think it's important for script writing although I seem to be in the minority these days some somebody learning how to write script as opposed to I forget what the other is called, just handwriting. I think that's important. And I think it's sad that we would lose some of these things that history has taught us are important. I don't, and I would agree that if there are elements or sanctions of those things that we deem important that are in error of being racist or something does it mean you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater? Does you're you're talking about the curse of handwriting? I think that they're getting uh-huh. rid of, but, but they're right. getting rid of so much more that oh yeah, so concerning to me that the rewriting of our history books, so that as our kids are growing up, they don't really understand the magnificent experiment of America and and why it's really the greatest republic on earth. They, they just really don't understand that because they've changed the history books to make them politically correct. And they've taken, really, they've taken the truth out and they've inserted something politically correct. And they don't focus on, you know, the, the, the whys of what we did as we were a young country to where we are today. Why did we do these things? Just like in Germany, they focus very, very much on what happened in Germany with the Holocaust. And the reason that they focus on it is because they never want to let something like that happen again. So the kids in Germany are required twice in their school lives, not once, but twice, to go to the um, the Holocaust, it's a museum of sorts. There, it's in a it's in a great big place that Hitler was building, but they never got to finish it because they ran out of money. It's kind of a round place that was supposed to look like kind of like the Colosseum, I guess, and 
it it was it's a place that you start when you start walking through there you see the entire history of everything that happened in the holocaust and it tells people at the end that you're there so that this never happens again what we're doing to our students by changing our history and hiding our history is not yes of course we made some bad decisions maybe along the way or maybe things are being portrayed as bad decisions but you know, everybody in every society makes mistakes, but those mistakes are your roadmap to the future to not do that again. If we're going to hide those mistakes, we don't have a chance at our future. That That's my big concern. And you know oh. what, with, with that, I'm going to come back and let you comment. <laughs> okay. But okay. in the meantime, yeah. let me say real quickly, I just want to introduce Becky Colmanen. Uh, who's with us today. And Becky is a uh, voiceover artist and she is a fantastic voiceover artist. You can, you can hear it in her voice as she speaks because she's got one of those voices. So Becky, welcome. And Judy Moran. Uh, Judy is a friend and a, uh, I, I like to call her the female version of Rod Stewart. <laughs> right, that's me. <laughs> and Judy lives on a horse ranch, and and I'm Linda Martinelli, and I am talking from Texas today, and I'm also a host with my husband of Talking While Married on America Out Loud, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. So we'll be right back. Did you know the average person spends 26 years of their life sleeping? The real troubling statistic is that we spend seven years of our life trying to get to sleep, struggling with racing minds, tossing and turning. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Sleep is proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance. Until now, most sleep supplements haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's Healthy, C-E-L-L dot slash sleep. Thanks for listening. You can tune in to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at AmericaOutloud.com. Okay, Linda, in relation to what you were just talking about with hiding history, that seems to be happening much more than I have been aware of. Um, and I know this sounds funny, but my daughter's been the one enlightening me to some things because it's forced me to do some searching about what she has been learning through high school and through college regarding history. And it's been some time since I've had those history classes and I may have slept through some, I don't remember everything that I learned, but being curious on my own after you graduate from college and travel, there are many things that have sparked my curiosity that I wanna know more about. So I have post graduating from high school, college, learned an awful lot that I had no idea about 
because didn't learn them in high school or college. So how much are we actually hiding history in America for certain reasons? Do you find that there are particular reasons why we've hidden some history and such as an example with Christopher Columbus and all the happenings with that expedition? Do you right. think well, that my, it, that my thought about that is if you look at what's happening with our kids and they're not learning their history, and I, I see this so much in them tearing down these statues. When, when they're yeah. tearing down statues of people that really are heroes, I mean, you, you take somebody like Robert E. Lee, who, you know, maybe you tore it down because of the Confederacy, but if you really knew anything about Robert E. Lee. He was a hero on both sides. He, he was, he was not a, a kind of a monochromatic kind of guy. He, he did a lot of good for America. They, they just don't know. But I think that if you have a lot of people in a country that don't love their country, that are not patriotic towards their country, that don't belt out that national anthem with all of their heart because they believe in America. And what we have is people taking a knee and we have all this dissension. And then China comes in and wants to take us over or Russia, I, name a name, it doesn't matter. Who's gonna fight for us? Who's gonna love America, Nobody. stand up for America? That's really, really my concern. When you have a country leaning more and more to the left, more towards socialism, we are an easy takeover for our enemies. And that is my big concern. You know, it's been since 1945 that the last war ended, that we were involved with. And one of the things that I continue to come back with are the scores of people that have never experienced things such as the Depression or time, war times that would spark that patriotism. And the wars that we've had since World War II have been very different conflicts, shall we even call them, conflicts and wars that the youth of my generation even and the generation under certainly don't feel the repercussions of that. We've not, I've never had to stand in a bread line. I've never, well, I did have to, I lived through a, a, a toilet paper line. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> a gas but, line under Jimmy Carter. <laughs> I yeah, did, that's what yeah. I was going to say. In, in 74, we had uh, gas line or not gas lines, but mm -hmm. gas rationing. I, re yes. I recall, mm -hmm. but yeah. never, never to the degree where we needed Shirley Temple to come in and lift our spirits because war was affecting us so greatly at home. Everybody, right. just some, but everybody was affected. Everybody went to school wearing flower sack dresses and everybody became to some degree poor because our whole nation needed the resources. So right. there are gen a couple generations of people that don't know what true patriotism is, they've never lived through such difficult times. And I, I remember Linda reading many articles about Robert E. Lee 
And I do have a love of the South. I have family that have lived in Georgia for ever. And I remember they're reading his quote, how he never, it was very important to him that he did not want any statues of himself to be erected after his death, during or after. He, he found it abhorrent and thought it was very important for the future of America that nothing like that be erected as both a remembrance of the struggle that both sides had or to do anything that would put himself on a pedestal. Can yeah, have. he's a guy who lost everything, everything in, yep. in, in the war. And he, he has an interesting history. So yeah. that would but, be a good one. Yep. But what, what's so sad is that they just want to wipe that history away completely. And I don't, I don't know how we can, I mean, well, how, how do we learn from not, not just our mistakes, but our successes as a nation, if, if we can't look back. I know it sounds weird, but I have, um, so Granny Catherine had the, one of those little statues that you used to, they were, I swear it's made out of lead, and it's a, of a, a stable boy, right? And he's oh, black. Yeah. Okay, so I found him you know, when we were cleaning out the barn and I, and I know that a lot of people have painted them different colors and painted them white and painted them different colors. And I, I was like, what do I do with this? Right. What do I do with this? Because, um, some of my friends were saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you even have that. Right. Well, I don't know. I just found it in the barn. Right. But it doesn't mean I'm racist, but why don't we look back at this and look at this and then talk to our children about uh, the whole slave culture and what our country went through and really teach them the truth and, and not hide it, not whitewash it and paint it or, or no uh, pun tear it down or destroy it or right. Exactly. It, it's it like, is what it is. You can't change history. It, it just no, is. No, you can't, but they're trying to, Yes, it feels like they're completely trying to, uh, but I, I think it feels like our education system, the people who run our education system are literally encouraging our children to burst out of the schools, the education system and, and burn down America. And it is, it's unfathomable to me. And it starts right from, right from the get go. This teacher, his name is Douglas Bear, uh, Blair, uh, taught ages three from 13 throughout his career. And for instance, here's one example. He said he was helping one of his elementary school students with some homework. And they were supposed to be listing famous Britons throughout history. Uh, and the, the, the student had already, you know, Shakespeare and Princess Diana and Queen Elizabeth. And he, he suggested Winston Churchill. And she replied to him, he was racist. He didn't think women should have rights. He was a horrible man. Now, where did she get that from? I mean, 
think about, it's like, really? Think about the time that Winston Churchill lived in, okay? Um, I mean, I, it, was un, it was unbelievable that, I mean, I'm floored because she couldn't, couldn't even tell him, you know, that who Winston Churchill really was. All she could reverberate was the wrong thing um, that somebody else had taught her about him. There was nothing about how he saved millions of lives of Jews. I mean, and that's a problem because mm -hmm. that is pervasive in education. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the big thing that we hear in our country is the slavery issue, right? We, we talk about it all the time, how wrong it was, how we should pay mm -hmm. uh, reparations, Right. The thing is, it was that time. We were a brand new country. And by the way, right. there were slaves all over the world. This was not unique all to America. Slaves no. were, slavery was part of that day and time. And I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying it was wrong either. I, don't, I wasn't there to, to know the, the whole you know, history of every single thing that happened. Obviously, today, we understand it's wrong. But at that time, it wasn't considered wrong. So you you can demonize those people all you want. It's not going to change the history. All we can do is learn from it that that is not the way that we treat other people. Yet mm -hmm. today, interestingly, it still goes on. It's different. Right. But it still goes on when you talk about uh, the the sex trade or you talk about children that are, you know, taken from their parents and and forced to work in different places and factories and different things. Maybe not so much in America for that, but certainly the sex trade trade is alive and well in America. And that's a form of slavery. So we, right. we need to be real about what we're teaching. And I don't feel that we are being real. And I I object strongly that we're not teaching our kids the constitution of the United States and what it means in, in the way that it means it, you know, not right. by taking it in apart and saying it's a bad thing, but, but it, in what a wonderful, eloquent document that was that still lives brightly today from when it was written some over 200 years ago. Right. It, it still is a document that we can live by. I, I think, just there, think that we need to be teaching those things. And I think there needs to be some delicate balance, perhaps, in ad acknowledging and admitting America has flaws. America has some broken yeah. things. But there does need to be respect and what I do see a, a great lack of respect in what is being taught when you look at the curriculum in schools, within the history books, you get maybe a paragraph on certain things that I would deem are important in relation to how the country was founded. And yet you, you really can't get all the information that you want, you know, in a history class covering American history over the past 200 and what is it? 245 years, mm -hmm. something like that. So there, whoever is creating the curriculum is boiling things down to just little bullion cubes of right. what, what committees have decided should be taught. 
And I do think in conjunction with this, things are not getting taught at home. Oh, I agree. Way, oh. way, way back before electricity, you things were taught at home. Right. In, in as much as they were taught at school. So you did learn at home from your parents, history, whether you were living it or what had happened 10, 20, 50 years prior. And there was a sense of pride in your country as the country was new. That pride seems to be gone. And the interest in knowing that history seems to be gone. And it is socially, sadly, that's almost encouraged. Yes. What do you think of the kids now not being allowed to do things in school like play ball, play dodgeball, play things that we all got to play tag, run around. Um, Everybody has to get a trophy now. Everybody has to be equal. No winners, no losers. What, What do you think that that kind of teaching tells our kids? I wasn't aware that they couldn't play ball or tag at school. <laughs> I'm really, I didn't know that. A I lot didn't of know school, that. Sure, you're not allowed to play anything that, you know, went like in dodgeball, obviously you're throwing in, a ball and you're trying to right. Smash, right? Yeah, involve smashing a ball in someone's face. Why can't we play that? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was right. my favorite game. Well, we all survived it. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, I, I am, I guess I really am not aware of the things that they're not allowed to do. And again, some of that seems extreme. The, mm-hmm. the everybody's a winner mentality. I am so not about that. I, I believe that is doing our children a huge disservice in how to basically deal with life. If, right. children, are not being, if children are not being taught at a very young age, the painful lessons of disappointment on all levels from why won't that kitty come over to me when I wanted to, to you've just been fired from your job. And I know right. that's a huge leap, right. but, but you've got but to, true. at a young age, learn mm-hmm. not everybody is a winner and not all things turn out the way that you want them to. And if you raise a child thinking that way, what a disaster. For everyone, not just themselves, but for everyone within their circle, which becomes a bigger circle. And then you have social media and then you have, oh, it's just exponential. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Am I right? No, it's true. It's true. The whole um, idea I was talking with uh, my niece and um, she is 24, 25 and she was trying to explain to me, she goes, why, why do we even have to have the label success? Why do we even have to have success? Why do people why? have to be successful? She <laughs> actually I asked. Know. I know. I said, what? What are you asking me? I don't understand. You so mean what nobody wins? Nobody, you mean there's no win or lose? There's no there's no success. Obviously she believes in socialism. And we were having a conversation about really, I was trying to educate her and what it actually means that if you take away the competition uh, and you'll end up with the elitist, the very, very wealthy, and then you'll, uh, you won't have any middle class 
you'll just have the serfs. You'll have the very poor and the very wealthy politicians. Yes. People yep. who are in pow power. That's what you're going to have. And she said, well, as long as everybody has a roof over their heads and they have oh. food and they have medical care, what, what, oh. what, what do we care? And oh. I said, what are you talking about? Somebody help me. Um, I, I, would I wonder I, what, what motivates her in life then? What, where is her that's motivation? It. Right. Where is your motivation? I, I said, there is, there will be no, no reason for, for people to take risks and to, um, strive to be the first one to find the vaccine for COVID because there'll be no reward for it. So why would you sacrifice any time away from your family? Why would you get up early and stay late and uh, put everything you have on the line to, you know, be first to market with a vaccine? Um, so, so then where do, who's, who's going to take those risks then? just because, you know, wow, um, it, it, it is scary. That's very, that's, and that's what our education system and our colleges are turning out. Um, but I, I believe that in life, it does, you can't, it's human nature it, to me. It's human nature. You cannot take away the will to survive and the will to win, the will to climb to the top of the heap is not something that we're taught. I, I believe we're born with it. And you can see some people are born with it and some people aren't, but you can't take that out of, our, out of the human race, I don't believe. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. Well, AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world, featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. Join us, we're in this together, and we consider you part of our family in our crusade to share the news, commentary, and agenda that can lead America back again. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. So here we are back. Welcome back, ladies. I um, I really am a little hot about this competition, no competition thing. Uh, Brian and I have always been, I, I, Brian's very competitive. I'm not super competitive until I'm losing, right? And then, right. It's a good time to get competitive, <laughs> and, and, then some, right? and then something kicks in, right? Oh my goodness. And the whole you know, the whole idea behind, you know, no success or there shouldn't be any losers. There are, you lose in life. You're going to have uh, times when, when you fail. And we as a family, we believe that failure teaches you more than winning does. Uh, and that how fast you recover from that failure will determine your, your success. And we, we think success is good. And, I remember when 
Emma was playing soccer and, you know, all the little, little, whatever, kindergartners, first grade, second grade, and they're all still running in a big lump on the field, you know, and somebody's shoe flew off. And I don't know, it was just an, you know, but these parents still, you know, it's very serious. And Brian and I had already been through Gabby, right? And she was already in high school. So we're older parents. So we're not as concerned, right? But about all the equal, equal. But So Brian yells out, they had a little break in the game and Brian yells out to Emma, Emma, you better score this period because if you don't, I'm going to spank you. And we laughed. Ah, ha, ha. Right? <laughs> we were joking. Okay. But you can see all of the young new parents die looking at us like, oh, they're so horrible. Right. <laughs> we bad were parents, just joking. Bad parents. Right. Bad, bad parents. Bad parents. But my, my husband and yeah. I are very competitive with each other and our kids are competitive. And mm -hmm. I love it because first of all, it makes family more fun. Secondly, it, does. Um, it pushes us to do better. It pushes us to be better because if you don't have that competitive spirit, you, you don't tend to keep moving yourself up that ladder and, and excelling and being the best you can be. And I think mm -hmm. that human nature is just mm -hmm. such that, we want to be the best we can be and we want to strive and we get satisfaction out of that and self-satisfaction. I can't imagine living a life as just a lump and not doing anything to compete or to make myself better, to make my kids be better, to continue learning every single day of my life and just, just, continuing to strive. I mean, that's what human nature is what you would remove that from people on socialism. And I think that that's somewhat, and Becky, I want to get your take on this, what they've done in colleges with these safe spaces. And you can't say this and you can't say that. Gosh. And you have to worry about how you talk. And on the other side of that is the whole disrespect for authority that they teach. And it, it, I mean, we're in a topsy-turvy educational system. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And I do think, though, and this might sound old school, but I believe there's some things not being learned at home from Truly. parents so that when they go off to college, those brains are little sponges, which they usually are, but the foundation may be missing. And if that foundation isn't there, there's going to be questioning no matter what, because that's human nature. But if that cornerstone and that foundation is not there, that's when things tend to go awry and something starts to look far more interesting than what they've been taught their whole lives mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, on a loose foundation. Does that make sense? If that yeah, it does. Strong. That, that does mm -hmm. make sense. And, you know, I, I wanted to bring something up. Uh, this is a situation that really bothers me in the Seattle school district where they have decided that teaching mathematics is going to stop because it's racist. Why is it racist? Because children of color don't do as well in math as maybe do white kids, right? 
So it must be racist. And that just frustrates me to pieces because a black child's mind and a white child's mind can learn math just like each other. There's, I mean, there, there's no color involved in learning math. There, there may be social differences from home or whatever, but there is no difference in the way that they can learn. So it couldn't possibly be racist because mathematics is not going to know the color of your skin. And no. I, I think that they just, A, don't want to do their job. And right. their test scores are very low, which tells me that they're not doing their job. It also tells me that parents are not doing their job in you know, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to think that you both would have taught your kids the same way I did. When I came home, I made sure that they did their homework. I looked at it. I checked it over, things like that. I think that Becky's right, that parents aren't doing those things so much anymore. And no, even less, if think about these kids, when they become parents, they're not even going to help be able to help their kids with their math. And how are they going to know if somebody cheats them in a contract or with change or any of those very basic things, how to balance their checkbook, how to do anything. You you have to have mathematics. So for schools to even say that they're going to take these things out and dumb down the curriculum so that everybody passes is the worst possible thing that they can do for our children. Absolutely. That's the perfect synopsis of that, Linda, just what you said right there. That would be such a travesty for humankind. And I know that sounds dramatic, but to remove math, to remove math, I mean, that's a basic life skill. We know you loved it, Becky. I know. And I was, I'm sitting here trying not to laugh right out loud and just saying, you know, I love math in school. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Because I, that part of my brain never really developed. I think God just said, you know what, honey, I know that's going to be hard for you. So I'm just going to give you a pass on that one. But he gave Matt you lots here. of language yeah. skills and everybody's different, which is the beauty of the world. My husband is not right. great at math, so I handle the finances, but he's great at other things. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I but it is say, a basic life skill. Yeah. yeah but it, it doesn't, it come. Yeah, it is a basic life skill. And, and what I wanted to share is, what really is is worrisome to me is that uh, so this is this this whole school district that's going to abolish math because it's not fair because they think they um, that African American students uh, can't quote unquote compete or they won't do it's well in it so they're going to remove the whole schools? thing yeah so this is un this is crazy I mean this is craziness to me because what's going to happen is they're going to take away our ability as a nation to compete on the world stage. Oh yeah. Other countries are going, going to do well in math and they won't care what color their skin is. They're going to do well in math, which means they're going to do well in science, which means they're going to develop and invent and create things that are, that we're going to need. And we will be be beholden to them. We won't be able to compete as a nation. That's a very good point, Judy. And, you know, California has looked at this Seattle situation Mm -hmm. and they said, wow, that looks good. So so they've got a proposal out that focuses on racism and ideology. And they're taking really pot shots at anything Uh 
that's Western. And they're saying, oh, we've got to get rid of this and we've got to get that rid of that. And that's exactly. I want to know who these people are. Are they socialists? Are they part of that whole movement that if you weaken, if you weaken the population, then you can take them over? Is that the whole premise of this, that they dumb us down and take away our ability to compete and our ability to um, create a life for ourselves so that they have to give us everything so that we're on the dole, we're on the payroll. Uh, We don't need to know math because they're going to give us our home and our food and and our our medical care. Uh, And then it all goes back to that. Well, you know, that's, that's and that's point. one theory it, another theory could be it's just a if i can say this it's a bass word way mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. yeah of dealing with with the issue of mm-hmm. racism and it and, and i don't know why they chose math except they're seeing discrepancies in test scores yeah because of the test score sure right but mm-hmm. it's so the way to handle that would be just remove it, which just makes no logical sense whatsoever. Why wouldn't you just increase opportunity for learning rather than remove something that is a, it's like removing right. an important appendage to the, to a body. There are, right. and there really are, God didn't put spare parts in our body. No. So things just shouldn't be removed as a, as a, a quick fix for something there's no quick fix to relational uh to racial issues there is no quick fix to that well, I, but, and i don't think that mathematics is a racial issue but they also well, no, but you know, one, one of the big problems is just go back to california where they said that their common core math curricula curriculum got graded as an a but guess what the common core math curriculum is completely lower than international standards. So what you've done is you've given yourself an A for so much dumbing down what they're learning that they're not even on a standard, to Judy's point, with other people in other countries. Why why do we want to make America be the dumbest country out there instead of the smartest country out there? It seems like there were years ago, there was a huge race in America, and I forget which president this was under. There was a race for us to increase our math and science skills because it was Bush. Chinese or Japanese that were just so far ahead of Americans in those two mm-hmm. academic areas. And that unless we did something, the very thing you're talking about, Linda, was going to happen. We were going to fall behind when our skills as far as computing and mathematics because we're not learning that on the level that we need to be learning. And we're probably, and I I don't, I can't give a stat because I don't know it, but I just remember hearing that we're one of the lowest in the world in those two areas compared with others that spend, the kids don't have all the sports programs and the extracurriculars they study. Yes. Yeah. And that's what their families make them do. We used to live in a community that was predominantly Chinese and boy, our kids had to really work hard to try to keep up because that is their life. They, they study, study, study. They don't do all the extracurricular things. And I, right. I chose to have my kids do extracurricular because I want 
a well-balanced kid. I, right. I want them to learn school things, but I also want them to learn health things, sports thing, activity, different things. But man, it was very hard to compete with them. But this also goes up the ladder all the way through grammar school to college, where as an employer, I see people coming out of college who, who <laughs> have incurred all this debt and who right. have taken all these classes and probably had a great time. Right. They don't know a darn thing and they can't fill out a resume and they can't spell properly right. and they can't complete a, a, a good logical sentence and they can't look you in the eye when they talk to you. So w- what are we doing here in our education right. other than doing a really great job at indoctrinating our kids not to love mm-hmm. America? I'm not sure exactly. that we're giving a great education in this country. Right. I think we need so to what start. what do we do? We start a school. We start. Let's start a school, right? right. Well, we, I mean, you know, well, we did, we tried to, we're trying, you know, I look at Lansing Christian and that was a family, you know, families that started that school. Um, but soon, and uh, we'll talk about this, hopefully maybe on our next show, but we're talking about how, uh, you know, our religious freedoms and liberties are being taken away. And will Christian schools be demolished? Will they be, uh, will, will we be able to actually have a Christian private school in a socialist society? That's, oh, the answer to you know, that would be no. No, and, exactly. We're not quite there yet, but I think that, that we're, we're headed in that there. Direction. Sure. And, and I think that how, how we solve this, uh, this is a big, big thing to solve. It took us three generations to get to where we are. It's going to take three generations mm-hmm. to get out of it. It is. is. Is exactly what both of you said is that we have to start at home and mm-hmm. we have to have parents emphasize the learning and also be involved in what their kids are learning. Because I truly believe that most parents have no idea what their kids are learning, not learning at school. So, I I mean, it's a big, big job. They, they did it. I think Becky, you said the word sublimely at the very beginning of our conversation, they did this slowly and methodically over time and that's a really hard thing to fight at this point. And mm-hmm. this, the starting point probably has to be realization. And then parents will have to take action. And well, perhaps yeah. the COVID thing with pe- kids staying home and not going to school and people seeing what their kids are learning for real, mm-hmm. hopefully that'll open up some eyes. Isn't that interesting Absolutely. how that's mm-hmm. happening is that they're we're being forced to be with our families and the parents are being forced to be with their kids and see what they're learning and see what they're doing. Maybe that will change some minds. Maybe that will actually have a positive effect. Hopefully it will. But I I also think that we as conservatives uh, and Christian conservatives, we need to be involved uh, at the school level. We need to run for the school board. We need to, uh, we need more teachers in the system that are willing to stand up against the quote unquote, what I think of as te- is bullies from, from the other side, when we can stand up and say, no, this isn't right. And I, 
I won't teach that, or I'm, I will teach this, or um, somehow we, we have to do the same thing. We have to infiltrate the education system. You're right. And a whole nother conversation at another time would be, why are conservatives not doing that? And that's always a big question for me. I always wonder what the answer is to that. Hey, it was great having a conversation with both of you. Here, well, here. I, I think I think that there is a path to to fix it. And the first thing is just letting people know that there's a problem, right? Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind.